It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando magic podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is July 22nd, 2021. My name is Phil Frostman. I'm the site expert and editor over at OrlandoMagicDaily.com. Of course, follow me on Twitter at philiprr underscore omd. On today's episode of Locked On Magic, we're chatting with Orlando Pinstripe Post's Aaron Goldstone about the big issues facing the Orlando Magic ahead of the draft, the players that we like, the philosophies that we're seeing or we hope we hope to see from the Magic, uh, and what to expect one week from tonight when the NBA draft takes place. We'll get to all that coming up here in just a moment. But before we do any of that, I do want to remind you all you can check out all the great podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network by searching Gravity Download Podcast for Locked On and the team you're looking for. Just like this podcast here covering the Orlando Magic with excruciating detail, there's podcasts covering every single team in the NBA with the same level of care and detail that you can only find from a local expert who knows their team best. Want the lowdown on the Milwaukee Bucks celebration of their second NBA championship? Check out Locked On Bucks. No matter who your team is, whether it's in the NBA, NFL, NHL, MLB, or college too, there is a Locked On podcast for you. Search for every download podcast for Locked On and the team you're looking for, the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Don't forget, coming up next week, the NBA draft goat Chad Ford, Locked On NBA draft host Rafael Barlow, and Locked On NBA host John Corrales will be live this year covering the NBA Draft. It's Locked On NBA Draft 2021 brought to you by Built Bar. Get local expert analysis on each pick. Follow Locked On NBA on YouTube today and watch our live coverage on July 29th at 7 p.m. And I'm joined now by our good pal Aaron Goldstone of Orlando Pinstripe Post. He's been doing a lot of great draft work over on Orlando Pinstripe Post. Uh, and we like to we like to come here and chat a little bit about where the team is at the draft. Aaron, how you doing today, man? Great, Philip. Thanks for having me on. This is uh, always you know around this time of year, you know, one of my favorite podcasts uh, to to go on and then talk uh, magic and talk draft. And and I don't think we got to do this you know last year because of just kind of how crazy the the off season and the the calendar got but I'm, I'm glad to be back with you and and there's a lot of really interesting things I guess coming up this week for the magic and the draft and 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 stuff to talk about so I'm just ready to dive in yeah definitely I mean this is definitely a team that I think is front and center for everyone kind of one of the turning point teams of the draft it's weird to have this kind of power in the draft especially with how disappointed we all were. Uh, on draft night, um, obviously the Magic holding the 5th, 8th, and 33rd picks in the upcoming draft. We're now a week away from draft night, so it is crunch time. As, as Matt Lloyd said, they're finishing up their last work, their last scheduled workouts uh, this week, and then next week it's all kind of finalizing their big board and finalizing uh, what options are, are available to them uh, as, they, as they get ready for the draft. And so um, before we kind of get into or kind of our, I guess, our finalizing of the big board and our, our discussions over, over what the Magic might do. Um, I, I kind of want to set the table of, of where the Magic are. Um, you know, obviously finishing with the third worst record in the league, kind of hitting the, hitting the reset, 
Um, the Magic have a lot of young talent on this team, whether it's you know Jonathan Isaac, Marco Fultz are just entering their second contracts. You got Cole Anthony, Chumo Kiki, and RJ Hampton uh, entering their entering their second seasons. Wendell Carter, Mo Bamba are entering the final year of their contracts. Um, you know, obviously the the play on the court, you know, had encouraging moments, but few encouraging games toward the end of the season. But uh, where do you think this roster stands, or, or, or what what are what do you what was what is your kind of feeling about this roster now that we enter the off season and enter this you know critical draft juncture? Well, uh, obviously the the roster is really young, right? I mean, there's eight or nine, or depending on how this draft goes, maybe ten or eleven players on the roster that are going to be. 25 years old or, or younger. So it's an extremely young roster and it's kind of been um, somewhat randomly pieced and puzzled together through drafts and through trades and things like that. And so now I think um, at least this year, maybe even for the next couple seasons, you know, the magic needs to just see what they have, you know, what they have in certain guys, what they have, um, you know, with the roster playing together, you know, there, there's, you know, quite a few players that haven't, you know, even played a second uh, on the floor together because of uh, Jonathan Isaac's injury last season, uh, you know, because of Marco Fultz's injury this past season. You've got, you know, guys like Chuma, like Wendell Carter Jr., like RJ Hampton that were, you know, acquired in trades or, or had their own injuries and, you know, they just haven't played together. So, uh, I think it's kind of twofold. I think uh, Orlando's management needs to see what they have in certain guys individually. You know, is uh, Mo Bamba going to take another step and, and, and click, you know, something, you know, and his career is going to take off or, or is he going to be elsewhere, you know, for a second contract? Um, to a similar degree, Wendell Carter Jr. is in the same boat, you know, heading into the last year of his contract. Um, and you just got to get guys healthy. You know, I think they have an idea what the team has in Jonathan Isaac and Markel Fultz, but at the same time, you know, they've both missed so much time, Isaac uh, especially. You know, it's just kind of a, a broken puzzle right now, a bunch of, of pieces, and some of them are, are exciting, right? They're young and exciting, but but you just have to figure out how the, the puzzle pieces together. I know that's a little cliche. You got to find a way to keep people healthy and on the floor, and comfortable playing together and then you know however long that takes a year or two you just have to kind of see what you have from there but but certainly a very different roster than 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 this time last year where we were yeah and I think that's going to be one of the more interesting things and obviously a new coach on top of that with Jamal Mosley and I, mm-hmm. I think that'll be one of the more interesting things is is how you know, Isaac and, and eventually Fultz you know kind of reintegrate with this roster um, because you know Isaac was essentially a fourth, maybe fifth option on the floor most of the time. And, and, you know, I know in his draft process, I was a little skeptical of Isaac in that uh, I, he didn't, he never really kind of stepped to the front. He was always kind of in the background as a secondary scoring piece. And, and I, you know, I certainly right. felt like the magic needed more of an offensive piece. I mean, Isaac, like I've said a million times, clearly ha- is, I think, the only player on the team right now that, that has an already established elite skill as a defender. We'll, we'll see how much of that comes back and how quickly that comes back uh, as, as he returns from the torn ACL. Um, but I, I think that, I really think what's, what's interesting is, you know, we haven't ever seen Isaac have to be the number one option. And I'm not saying, you know, I don't, and I think the way this team is set up, 
you know, he won't have to be the number one option all the time. But, you know, one thing that's going to have to happen is, you know, Isaac's going to have to take a lot more shots and be a lot more, you know, aggressive with his offense. And I'm going to be interested to see both, you know, over the next two years, because, you know, this year I think it's going to be fits and stops with him. Uh, it takes, you know, the ACL injuries are, are serious injuries, not because people don't recover from them. They're serious injuries because they take time. Um, it's a, you know, nine to 12 months to get back on the floor uh, and then maybe another 12 months to kind of really regain full strength. But um, it, like like you said, it's it's a huge question mark about what a lot of these guys can be. Um, you know, we think they're all NBA players. Um, I, I think... I think what we saw last year or we saw enough of last year was that, you know, you get these guys in the right roles. They, they can function on an NBA court. Now, can they function together as a team and be successful? That's another question entirely, but it kind of gets to, I think what's the most pressing issue entering this, this draft. And that's what are the team's needs? Um, you know, what, what does the team need to get out of this draft? Um, because, you know, I've talked to plenty of our draft experts on locked on NBA draft. I'm sure I, I, I don't know where you fall on this, but, Everyone I talked to agreed this was a draft worth tanking for. Um, the Magic ended up fifth in what many people feel is a four-player draft. You know where the Magic are positioned or, or, or looking at this Magic roster. What do the Magic need to come away with in this draft? Um, you know, it's just that's a difficult, I guess, question to jump right into and answer. It just kind of depends on what <laughs> happens. Yeah, exactly. What happens uh, in front of them? That's sort of you know the way it goes when you're picking fifth. Is is you've got to go into a draft, I think, with like a plan A, a plan B, a plan C, a plan D, and just see how things shake out in in front of you. And so I know I'm not really answering exactly what what you asked, but it's kind of hard to to quantify what they need to come up uh, come away with. You know, you just have to to see what other teams do. You know, you have to see. What opportunities are there? Um, I mean, we could say now before any of these guys have their careers play out that yeah, they need to to get a superstar, and they're not going to be able to get a superstar, you know, picking at five. But you just don't know. You know, the the odds are more likely than not than one of those top four guys, at least one of them, their their career for whatever reason, you know, is not going to turn out the way that maybe a lot of draft pundits, you know, think it would. You know, some will will hit, you know, and, and be, you know, star players. So you don't know what's going to happen in front of you. They just have to do the best they can. I know that's not a very good answer. They have to find, um, they have to find players that they, they believe in as far as, as ceiling and upside and likely outcomes. You know, it's easy to say, you know, player X is going to be a great player if this, this, and this happens, but they have to have the confidence that that person's going to, you know, put in work and develop. And a lot of that, has to do with the player's personality. Um, I know you and I hear all the time from Jeff Weltman and John Hammond, you know, how much the organization values who, you know, these players are as men first, you know, their character, um, their their habits and work ethic. And, uh, you know, I think maybe a side note, you want to find someone that you're, you're comfortable with their, their body, you know, because this organization has gone through so many injuries and you want to find someone I know injuries are a fluke thing. You can never predict them. But but you want to find someone that has an NBA body that can handle wear and tear, that you feel good about their their work ethic because it's going to be a long road. Um, and you want to avoid, you know, busts. You know, you want to avoid uh, the Mario Hazonias where they don't finish their, their, 
they're a rookie contract, you know, w- with the organization. You want to find people that that could be on the team for the next six to, to eight years and, and um, you know, just do the best you can. But I think we'll get into this, Phil, in a little bit. But, you know, as far as, as how you attack that night, you, you really have to see what, what Cleveland, what Toronto, what some of those teams in front of them are doing to be able to have maybe a clear idea what you need, you know, for the Magic uh, on the 29th. Yeah, no, no, and that's for sure. And I think, you know, I, 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 you know, excuse me if I, if I'm kind of driving the ship saying, you know, the magic need to find a star. They need to take a home run swing. I, I do think you're absolutely right. What's, what's most important. Number one is get a guy you're comfortable with. Um, you know, I, I tend to believe that you should always, you know, do whatever you can to get the guy that you believe in first. And what's most important to come out of this draft is get two players that you believe in, uh, that you believe will fit into your organizational culture that can grow within your organization and team uh, and, and, and can be part of this franchise moving forward. Now, what role do they play? Um, that is, uh, of course, the question, but that's a question that gets answered over the course of the years that they're playing with you on um, whether they can develop into top-notch players. I mean, you, you look at, you know, you look at, uh, you know, even like someone like Dwight Howard, like, sure, everyone knew that Dwight, everyone said Dwight Howard could be a great player, but he came into the league you know, a really scrawny guy. Um, you know, they had Johnny Davis as the head coach and, and they, you know, kind of came up with a very specific tailored plan early in his career to kind of get him acclimated and comfortable in the league. And, you know, people weren't sure if he could make it, but the other alternative, which, you know, so many people were saying the Magic were stupid not to take at the time, um, Emek Okafor had had back back issues and a back injury that was lingering. And, uh, you know, that, that you know, I don't, I don't know if that would have changed the Magic's decision if he were healthier, but, Certainly didn't didn't hurt them in that case, and and you know again sometimes it takes time for guys to develop. Um, you know, yes, Dwight Howard averaged a double double, I think, his, his first year, but you know he was essentially. I think they essentially said your job is rebounds and putbacks. Don't worry about anything else. Just get rebounds and putbacks. That's your offense. We're gonna we're gonna work. We're gonna focus on that end of the floor first, and then slowly build you up on the other end as well. Um, so finding, I, I agree. I mean, you. I mean, we've all heard the stories about when the Magic drafted Dwight Howard. Um, they, he impressed them in a workout, you know, they, they couldn't ignore, they couldn't ignore his potential. Um, it, it is really about, and, and that's the number one pick that, that makes it a little bit easier, but, um, and, but I, I think, I think it, again, I think you're right. It is absolutely more important to find the guys, the guy or the, or the players that you believe in more than kind of following the convention of, of what others are saying or what people's big boards say. I mean, the magic went off board on Chumo Kiki. Chuma Okiki is 100% a magic guy. He is, he is the exact kind of person that the magic fall in love, that, that Jeff Waltman has historically fallen in love with. And, you know, I think coming off of his rookie year, I think we'd all agree that, that he's a pretty good fit so far. Right. And um, uh, we'll, we'll probably get into a few of these guys, uh, you know, here in, in a moment, but you know, I don't know about you. There, there's one player, and it was kind of ironic that he was the first one that the team at least publicly announced that they had worked out and brought in. You know, for for their own individual workout. To me, uh, Scotty Barnes, not the player, but the person and just the whole idea. You know, the Scotty Barnes, the pick, just kind of screams to me, Jeff Weldman and, and John Hammond, just from the interviews. That, that I've seen him conduct, you know, obviously he's got the huge wingspan and reach, which is a Weltman-Hammond thing, but, you know, just kind of the culture and how he is 
you know, a guy that's willing to do the little things and, 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 you know, play different types of roles. The organization loves versatility. Uh, and he comes from that Montverde, you know, culture where he kind of understands high level basketball already. And I think those kind of things impress Orlando's management just as much, if not more as, you know, raw numbers or just statistics or certain skills, because the team does put so much value in being able to try to develop those things uh, internally. Um, you know, and they're looking at the person first. And I don't know about you. To me, Scotty Barnes just kind of jumps out as someone that I, at least I would assume they're, they're targeting and, and heavily um, considering. quick break so I can tell you a little bit about Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models out there, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning? Is your Odyssey an LX or an EX? Who the hell knows? And wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer. They're only choosing the brands their warehouse happens to carry anyway. They may not even have the right part for your car. You have computers and you have access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket to get exactly what you need. Save time and money when using Rock Auto. Why choose to spend 30, 50, even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership? Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for more than 20 years. Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every customer. They have everything you can need, brake parts, tail lamps, immortal oil, and even new carpet. Go explore their easy-to-use website today to find the solution for your auto part needs. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in there. How did you hear about us, Box? So they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. No matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax experts make them count. Did you say no to a big wedding and elope at the county courthouse? That's a move. Did you go back to school to get your degree? That's a move. Did you relocate for a fresh start? Well, that's literally a move. Maybe you moved into a houseboat instead of a house house, or switched gears from rideshare driving to video game streaming, or you rode the stock market to the moon and back. TurboTax experts make all your moves count, getting you every credit and deduction you deserve. They'll file with 100% accuracy and get you your max refund guaranteed. So, Switch to TurboTax. Make your moves. They'll make them count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live. Let's, let's get into those prospects now. Um, you know, I, I, I did come, come across, you know, I, I did come away from kind of listening and rewatching that, that interview with Scotty Barnes that he did when he was here is, you know, he is, you know, pretty, pretty polished in front of the media. Um, you know, he, I think he understands the limits of his game at this point. And, and, you know, again, the question, and this is stuff that we don't see because we don't have the tape on this. Um, you know, he understands that, that, that there's work to do on his game to get it where it needs to be. Um, you know, I, I do think that Scotty Barnes fits the magic to a T, um, you know, just kind of the cultural fit. But, uh, you know, I've always, you know, when it comes to the kind of Scotty Barnes debate, I've always just been kind of wondering, you know, will that shot come around? 
Um, is he going to be, you know, not that he's not a willing shooter. I think he's willing to shoot, but um, his lack of outside shot. I, I mean, I think he, I think he shot something like 50 something percent in the paint and then something like the low thirties outside of the paint. Um, I don't have the synergy numbers, but his percentages outside the paint really concern me a little bit. And even, even some of the ways that he attacks offensively, um, it looks it sometimes looks kind of awkward, you know, again, like it's not that he's not willing to do it, which I, I think is a good sign. I mean, again, you can be a functioning player in the league without, without offense. You know, Ben Simmons is still a really good player um, despite all the criticism he got during the playoffs. Um, you know, but being a willing shooter and being at least a, a potential threat offensively is, is still really important. And, you know, he's got all the defensive intangibles, you know, he's got, uh, he's a, he's got solid ball handling and playmaking for someone of his size, but I keep going back to, you know, what do the magic need? Um, you know, again, it, with Scotty Barnes specifically, uh, you know, my questions with him are always, how does he fit with Jonathan Isaac and Chumo Kiki? And if the answer is not well, then my next question is, is he better than Jonathan Isaac or Chumo Kiki? And I don't know if I have a good answer for that. I don't know if I'm I'm willing to say yes to that. What What is it then? about Scotty Barnes outside of kind of those intangibles and, and Waltman's draft history. What is it about him that makes him a really viable option for this fifth pick in the draft, especially for this magic team, I should say. Well, I, I mean, I completely agree with you and, and I did um, for SB nation, you know, I made Orlando's two picks in uh, a mock draft that they did last week. And, and, you know, I had the whole Scotty Barnes, Jonathan Kaminga, um, dilemma there at, at five the first four picks played out you know accordingly and I went with Kaminga and I'm not completely crazy or enamored with that but um you know my reasoning is exactly what you just said I, I think there's a lot of redundancy with with Barnes when you already have Chumo Kiki and Jonathan Isaac on the roster uh we just talked about this before the the podcast, you know, started to to record that, you know, the Magic really shouldn't be making any decisions uh, on the 29th on draft night, um, dependent upon people on the roster because there's just still so much to to figure out. But but you said it. I mean, if there's one thing you know for certain that is already on the roster, it's Jonathan Isaac's defensive ability, and and that's of course Scotty Barnes most significant strength, I guess, at this point. Um, he's a maniac, <laughs> one-on-one, you know, point of attack defender, gets his hands on a lot of balls, deflection, steals, um, just, you know, provides so much energy. Uh, the games I watched, I think he was able to go that hard because he didn't play as many minutes at Florida State as, as some of the other prospects did for their teams. You know, he came off the bench um, towards the middle to end of the season. Goes- and, and FSU always exactly. goes nine deep. Like they're they're really but, unusual for for a college team. I mean, that's a great program. <laughs> right, right. But I mean, he just he went so hard. I mean, he was picking up guys three quarters court. He can guard, you know, multiple positions. I don't want to say in the NBA yet all five positions, but I mean, he can guard at least two through five. I mean, he's he's a maniac one on one defender, and and I love that about him. And uh, it wasn't just his his shooting um, the, from the perimeter that concerned me. Uh, his free throw percentage was was really subpar, and so the shooting is is definitely a concern. Um, I kind of compare him a little bit more to a, like a Draymond Green type role than Ben Simmons, and there's definitely a, a place in the NBA for that. Um, but again, like you said, I don't know if that's 
Orlando, you know, with some of their needs, uh, he would be a luxury. Scotty Barnes would be a luxury. He would make a pretty good defensive team, potentially an even better defensive team. But I don't know if that is enough to, to justify because there's a lot of other areas he wouldn't help at all with spacing, with shooting, with scoring. Um, you know, he would be just one more guy on the floor that would, would clog some things up in the half court. Uh, I know what his tool is going to be, you know, from day one, it's going to be playing defense. He can also as a secondary skill, of course, pass the ball and he's got great vision for his size. Um, so it's not a terribly awful pick, but, uh, it definitely seems to me like a redundant pick with what Chuma can provide with what hopefully a healthy Isaac can provide, um, so, so for me personally, if I'm making those decisions, I'm not sure I go with Barnes. I was pointing out earlier, I think, you know, for, from Orlando's perspective, just from their track record and history, um, he's certainly someone that that's probably near the top of their list. Yeah. And for sure. And again, like I, I agree, I agree, you know, that, that Orlando right now is, shouldn't necessarily be thinking about kind of positional fit or, or roster fit. Cause everyone's going to play. I mean, I, I know, I know I've noted this a few times on the pod. I, I mentioned it to you, but like even before we get to the rookies, before adding those two players, they already have a rotation that's full of young players. Um, you know, you can just go down the list when everyone's healthy. You got Markel Fultz, Cole Anthony uh, at point guard, RJ Hampton, uh, Michael Carter Williams, Terrence Ross uh, at, at the two, at the, uh, and Gary Harris at the two, uh, Chumo Kiki, Jonathan Isaac, uh, I'm, I'm, though I'm forgetting people, Wendell Carter. Uh, Mo Bamba, that's 10 players right there already. And then you're adding two more. Um, you know, you're going to have to make some moves to free up some playing time. And there's going to be games, you know, again, Fultz won't be back immediately. I'm sure I'm forgetting people on the roster too. I always do whenever I list this out. But um, you're too, you know, Jonathan Isaac's probably going to have to sit out a few, sit out some back to backs early in the season, especially as he gets himself back. Um, you know, you know, the Magic are going to be cautious with him. Marco Fultz may not be back until who knows when. A year will be January, so um, you know he could be ready for training camp. Uh, I know. I think Matt Lloyd said on Orlando Magic Pod Squad today that he uh, is is without a brace is is working out without a brace now, which is certainly a good sign. But um, you know who knows when he'll be back. You know in game shape, ready to go. Um, and you know they'll be cautious with him, so they'll they'll be playing time for everybody. But you're already looking at a pretty cramped and loaded roster, and there's going to be points of the season where. Um, People that you think should be playing aren't going to play. Um, before we get to, to, to Kuminga, which you know is kind of a contrast to this and, and raises some questions of his own, um, I, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you, do you assume that the top four is going to go the way it will? And um, among those top four guys, who is the guy that you feel is the one the Magic most realistically are targeting? Yeah, so I, I do think uh, Cunningham, Green, Mobley, Suggs will go one through four. Now, I don't, I can't guarantee the teams that are slotted in those spots right now will be making those picks. I mean, I, I'm still under the assumption that it is possible um, that that either Cleveland or maybe even more probable uh, Toronto, um, if they got an offer that they liked, uh, could could slide down. You know, if I was the Magic and I was trying to consolidate assets to move up, you know, I, I think there is something there with with Toronto because, I mean, Toronto had just won the title two years ago. They were a playoff team last year, and the last thing that that organization thought, you know, that that they would would be would be in the lottery this year. I know they had 
some some unfortunate things play out. Um, you know, then the a couple you know lottery uh, a couple ping pong balls bounce their way, and and here they are at four. They're going to get a really really good player, but but their roster already with OG and Fred Van Fleet, and I mean that's a good that's a good roster already. Pascal Siakam, and so you know this pick for them, it's it's such a, a cherry on top. It's such a bonus. You know, and let's just say that they believe in their strong player development program and they think they could develop a, a Kaminga or they think, you know, Scotty Barnes's defense right now can can uplift that team. Maybe they would be willing to just slide down just one slot um, for a, a future asset or two. You know, um, I don't know if, if five and eight would interest Toronto as much as, as five and a future pick and maybe a veteran or something. But, you know, my, my point is I think Toronto probably has a target. And if that person's not there, it might be one of those deals in the moment on draft night with the clock, you know, ticking that you make a call to them. Uh, and, and so I guess to answer your question, I do think Suggs, Mobley, Green, Cunningham will be picks one, two, three, four. Um, I don't know the order yet uh, other than Cade one, uh, probably Jalen Green too, but but you know honestly have Plan A, Plan B, Plan C, Plan D have Cleveland and, and especially Toronto uh, on the Rolodex, you know, on the phone because if somebody is 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 falling, if somebody's sliding, if somebody's there, you know there there may be something within the moment on the clock that you could do to 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 make a, a deal to move up to to four, um. And maybe get like a, a Jalen Suggs, uh, who again, uh, there's a lot of guards on this roster, but we keep saying this, you know, that shouldn't necessarily matter. He's, in my opinion, a star and the most likely the four to maybe, you know, slide a little bit. Uh, but but if the Magic were just enamored with his leadership, uh, with you know what he brings to a team on both sides of the ball, with just his experience, you know, uh, his athleticism. You know, that's who I could probably see the the organization maybe moving up for. Um, you know, as a Jalen Suggs. Uh, I don't know. What what do you think? Are those those four guys pretty much, in your opinion, uh, locked in on those slots? Yeah, I mean, I I still feel like those four guys are going to go top four. I mean, I think there's definitely a chance that Toronto uh, Toronto goes with you know someone that might that might be a little bit more of a better positional fit for them in Scotty Barnes. It might honestly, it might depend on how Toronto feels about Kyle Lowry. I mean, if they feel like Lowry's gone, there's no reason they shouldn't just take Suggs and be happy about it. Yeah. And honestly, like I know, I, and I'll, I'll probably ask you this question a little bit later on too. But you know, I, I've 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 always kind of been the opinion unless you can really extract something, you know, one spot, you know, down from Orlando. Um, and I had conversation with Sean Woodley about about this, and we really couldn't find a deal that made sense for both of us, um, between trading four and five. Um, but, um, but you know, I, I I'm also kind of of the opinion like, look, if if there's no deal to move down, just take your guy. I mean, if Toronto believes that Scotty Barnes is their guy, just take him at four. Who cares? Who cares if it bucks what everyone thinks? It's, it matters what you think and what you believe. And again. It always goes back to that point. Find your guy. Who is your guy? Who is the guy that you believe in that you want to invest in, and just take him. Um, you know, again, it doesn't matter if the convention says that 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 you shouldn't take him for. Just take him. Um, so, you know, if if they think Barnes is their guy, and, and there's maybe a chance that they do. You know, they do. They like the magic, like those athletic switchy wings, um, like Siakam, like Ananobi, um, even to some extent, like Norman Powell. Um, 
you know, they, who they traded, of course, um, they, they could, they could just grab Barnes at four and leave, you know, maybe Suggs to, to five, to five to Orlando, which, you know, again, would be kind of a dream come true. And, you know, I think Charlotte's proven, Toronto's proven to some extent, you know, you can never really have too many ball handlers and, and point guards as long as they can play together and, and hold their own defensively. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I think Suggs is someone that can, um, you know, I, you probably don't want to take the podcast in that direction, but, but just, just you know, Suggs to me with his size and athleticism, he could play on the ball, he could play off the ball. He's kind of a plug and play guard that brings so much value to your team, um, just because of energy and hustle, defensive point of attack, you know, ability, uh, and just a little bit of of everything. And I don't see any reason why he wouldn't be able to play with Fultz, with Cole, with RJ, um, you know, at Gonzaga, he played some point, he played off the ball. Um, they had, you know, a, a very pro lineup compared to a lot of, you know, college film that you watch Gonzaga and what they ran. And so, so I would feel comfortable with Suggs, whether it's in Toronto or, or Cleveland or Houston, or Orlando, you know, being able to play both on and off the ball. Yeah, and, and I, I mean, what I've often heard about Suggs is, is among those top four guys, it feels like he has the highest floor. Like he could, he could, you know, he may not have the highest ceiling of that group, but everyone feels pretty certain that he's going to find some role in the NBA somewhere. And, and I, I tend to agree with that. I, I think that he's a really impressive player, really impressive player uh, on top of that. Uh, let's let's dive into the Kaminga part of the debate then. Um, obviously, the Magic just had Jonathan Kaminga in, in town on on Tuesday. Um, you know, a lot of questions about him. And, and again, they're among those top, top guys, probably no one that has a wider range of potential outcomes uh, for his career. Um, really struggled in the G League bubble, um, you know, kind of ended with, with a knee injury. He said on Tuesday that it was tendinitis. Um, he says that he's worked, worked through it. Um, but, you know, knee injuries in the Magic right now aren't very friendly. Um, so I'm sure that, 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 that perks everyone's ears up a little bit. Um, what were your takeaways from Kuminga's run in in the bubble? Because you know, I think there was a lot of good that he did, um, but more than anything, like he definitely looked his age more than Jalen Green did in, in that experiment with the ignite. Yeah, I think just because of some of the things that Jalen Green does well, you know, he's just naturally, you know, uh, further along, you know, on the development timeline than than Kuminga is, and you know, Kuminga was a pretty last minute reclassification. I mean, he very easily could be, you know, um, you know, in next year's draft class. And uh, it's just could easily be the top pick of next year's right, draft class. Right. It's getting increasingly more difficult, I feel, to kind of compare some of these apple and oranges situations. You know, you're not just um, evaluating college players and then maybe one or two European prospects sprinkled in here you're evaluating really skilled euros you're evaluating some you know u.s uh high school prospects that went and played overseas now you are evaluating players that played in the g league you know in a very small sample size uh against grown men and professionals and so it's it's kind of hard sometimes to find context you know in a vacuum of like who stacks up you know to whom with all these different situations, but I don't know for me, like it's so hard to, I'm not, I'm not out on Kaminga. I'm not out on Kaminga. I see the, the, uh, the appeal and the value in a player like that. It's so hard for me to find something to pinpoint in his game that he does really, really well. The first thing that always comes up 
with Kaminga is his physical profile. Like he looks the part, he looks amazing. You know, six seven, six eight for wing, already two hundred and twenty plus pounds, chiseled. Like he looks great in his stuff, and uh, you know he definitely looks a part uh, of an all star caliber NBA wing. But then when you actually watch him play, it's like you see all these little flashes of things, and it's it's just not a lot of consistency. And I mean that's going to be the case for a lot of eighteen year olds. So I'm I'm really not trying to to harp here. I think he has a potential to be a go-to ISO score, but I don't know how like efficient he'll be. I think he has the potential to maybe be able to create for himself off the dribble, but I don't know if he's a good enough you know ball handler or will be able to to preserve as his career goes on this premier athleticism because he's been the biggest, strongest, most athletic in AAU and in high school and stuff like that. But but in the NBA with with the best athletes in the world. You know, you really want to lean on your skill stuff. And, uh, I mean, he's a pretty good rebounder for his position. He's a he's a solid passer. I think there is some upside there. I saw some kind of some plays in transition, you know, where, where he, um, you know, full court bounce passes and lobs to Jalen Green and stuff like that, who, who is running like a madman, you know, on the break. And so there is some something there. Uh it's just it's such a it's gonna be such a difficult decision for the Magic, you know, at number five. I it's gonna be a long road. Here's the thing, and Philip, maybe you can back me up with this one or, or piggyback on this one. You know, some of the the culture shock, I guess, from some of Orlando's previous lottery picks, and maybe they did or didn't develop the way the fan base wanted. You can't hold that against the Orlando Magic right now because it's a new coaching staff. It's a completely new situation. You know, if you take a player like Kaminga and you're like, well, he's two years away from being two years away, but but we really believe in, in who he can be. Well, you got to respect that and you got to see that vision and you can't say, well, that wasn't the case for Mark Hazonia. That wasn't the case for, for, for whoever because this is a new staff. And, uh, you know, I, I do believe in, in Jamal Mosley's ability, you know, to, to put a staff together and develop players. And this is a whole new whole new game that, that Orlando is transitioning it into. And so if they feel comfortable taking a Kaminga and understand how much work, you know, that's going to be to, to develop the skills he's going to need to, to, to have. Um, but you can't teach six, eight, you can't teach two twenty five. You know, the, there is something there. He's just like clay now, you know, he's just like this un you know, molded clay and you just have to kind of have the vision to see what he can be. Um, you just don't see it a lot on, on film, and, and I don't want to go into it because he's 18. You know, I don't want to harp on him. It was it was a very small sample size in the G League, uh, but you know he's a guy for me that flashes right now, and I just would like to see more consistency. And um, kind of interested to hear what what you have to 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 say about him as well. Yeah, I mean, uh, on the point about the front office, I mean, yes, that the front office, yeah, the front, you know, to a certain extent. You've got to trust the front office to that a they have more information than we do. Like you know, you and I can watch all the tape yeah. we want on these guys, but you know we're still you know we might be a, a hair above amateurs as far as watching tape and, mm-hmm. and and seeing what what people see in guys. Um, these guys do it for a living. Like you know, if if you could if you could sit in a room and watch you know draft tape with Matt Lloyd, you probably learn more about basketball in that thirty minute film session than you've probably ever do in your life before then. 
Um, you know, that's, 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 that's the reality of things. So, you know, if some, if, you know, I know I tend to sometimes come across as giving the, the friend, the team and the organization, the benefit of the doubt. And some of it is because they honestly have more information than, than we do. Um, but to the same token, like the moment you stop trusting the front office to make these kinds of decisions and, and take these kinds of risks or, or, you know, uh, understand these sort of calculated gambles on, on things, that's probably the time that you need to change your front office to someone that you do trust. Um, and, and to this point, there's honestly nothing to make me not trust Jeff Weltman, um, you know, at, at, at this juncture. I mean, the only like first round pick that he's missed on is Mo Bamba. And, you know, I think he can point to injuries. I think he can point to the changing expectations of this franchise and this organization that kind of put Mo's development kind of on the back burner. Um, you know, and some, you start from, some of it's certainly on Mo. I, I don't think you should absolve him of, of his development there, but uh, you know, a lot of things changed for this franchise very, very quickly. Uh, and that did not help Mo out at all. Um, but otherwise, you know, Chumo Kiki's turned out to be a pretty good pick. Jonathan Isaac, yeah, there's been some injury issues, but I think everyone's really happy with him and, and what he can be. Um, you know, we all wanted the, the Magic to pick Dennis Smith Jr. that year, me included. Um, you know, I think I, I flipped my mock draft to Isaac at the last second, but uh, we were all on the Dennis Smith Jr. train. Um, I think we can all agree Jonathan Isaac was the right pick. Um, you know, Chumo Kiki was a pick that came out of nowhere that, you know, again, that it took a little patience, looks like it was the right pick. Um, so when it comes to, to, to that, you know, I think, I think this front office has gained a little bit of the benefit of the doubt. Now I will grant you this, like them pushing a little bit, pushing some chips in the center of the table for this draft specifically, you know, losing out on the lottery. Yes. You know, they got to start, they got to start hitting on graphics and they can't just be singles. They need some doubles. They need some triples and they need a home run somewhere. Um, you know, for, for, if we're going to use that analogy, but at the same time, this is a rebuild. Um, I don't think they're expecting or need Jonathan Isaac to come in and deliver, um, or for Jonathan Kaminga to come in and deliver immediately. They can wait on him. They can give him a couple years. They can give him a little bit of time to, to, to develop and grow. And, And I think that would be that would be really, really important for for that would be really, really important for him. But if they don't believe that he's the guy, they, they shouldn't take him. Plain and simple. Yeah, uh, you know, and, and he he very well could have you know killed his workout this week. You know, he was just in town in Orlando. Um, you know, he is is certainly someone in that kind of setting i think you know going through a workout going through shooting drills where you're going to see a different jonathan kaminga than you saw you know in the g league bubble and, and it was such a, a small sample size um you know but and, but if, and it was cut short by but, the injury issues that he had i mean i, I don't right. i doubt that you know he, I, I i think he missed what two games the last two games of the bubble i doubt that that d issue you know Kate suddenly sprung up at the end. I bet that was a little bit recurring throughout the bubble. Right, exactly. And, you know, I think we've talked about this, but it was all season long, you know, all college season and all winter and and early spring long. This was always a five-player draft. And then, you know, completely separately, the Magic, uh, you know, they get the fifth pick and now all of a sudden it's a four-player draft. And, you know that that's interesting. I guess the way that that all played out. I don't know if that was a little bit of uh, you know coping or perspective or what, but 
you know, you you certainly could come away in this draft with with worse than Jonathan Kaminga. I mean, he has for the last couple years in the basketball world, you know, been um, a top prospect. You know, one of the top prospects in the world. You know, there's other guys in this class that have emerged and surpassed him. You know, because of the way they played. Um, Cade Cunningham was always near the top of the class, but he wasn't the number one person in this class, you know, before he just, you know, went crazy at Oklahoma State. He had a great, you know, FIBA uh, career, um, you know, at U18s. Uh, Jalen Suggs was one of the top players in this class, but he wasn't like an elite, elite top player. And so, you know, there's some guys that played their way into this situation and and Kaminga, you know, dealt with adversity this year. But, but he's someone that a lot of experts, like you said, that are a lot smarter and have forgotten more basketball than you and I, you know, have ever learned, you know, have held Kaminga in a very high regard uh, because of what they see, you know, um, physically, what they see uh, in his, his skill set. It's not going to be an easy road. Uh, there's definitely going to be some learning curves, but, but. You know, how's that any different than than five or ten guys on the Magic, right? I mean, everybody's kind of in the same boat, and, you know, he would be a very talented asset in that boat. Um, and, you know, he might very well be the direction that the team decides to, to, to go. It's going to be a extremely difficult choice, maybe a choice that would be made a little bit easier if one of those top four guys were, were somehow to fall. Um, you know, maybe that would make things you know a little bit easier but but for now you know I wouldn't want to be uh in the chair making that call for sure Today's podcast is, of course, brought to you by our good pals at Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing. It's about the only thing in full swing right now, so you can track all the action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for our sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC MMA action, too. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website, use your mobile device, sign up today, and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit using the promo code LOCKEDON. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Don't forget as well to check out the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 presented by LOCKEDON and Odyssey, featuring analysis from the GOAT of NBA Mock Drafts, Chad Ford, and Odyssey NBA experts Brian Scalabrini and former General Manager Ryan McDonough. Our Locked On NBA local experts will make selections and trades for your favorite basketball teams throughout this week-long special event. Search the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 on the new Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Odyssey is your audio home for all the sports, podcasts, music, and news that matter to you. That's Odyssey, A-U-D-A-C-Y. This Locked On Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals plus 
free shipping on your first box and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Yeah, I mean, and I think, I mean, I think that raises, you know, one of the more interesting aspects of this draft that the Magic have a second pick in the top ten. That, you know, they get, you know, something like a second bite at the apple, and assuming they don't package them together and move up, you know, they can, you know, take a, a little, you know, in my opinion, they can take a little bit of a risk in a guy like Kuminga, take a big deep swing and say like, okay, this is this guy could be our home run pick, uh, and then come back around at eight and take you know, someone that feels a little bit safer, that they're pretty certain is going to come in and be able to contribute something to the team, you know, still have a little bit of upside. You know, I I, th- I think they should still be swinging for some upside and a guy that can grow into something a little bit more than maybe what people think, um, but someone who can at least step in and play a role. And I, I mean, again, when you have two picks, you want to hit on both of them. I think it's an absolute must that the Magic hit on one of these picks. Um, either the Magic package them to move up and grab someone that they really like in that in that celebrated top four, or they, at the very minimum, get one rotation-level player for this team moving forward out of these two picks. Um, what is your take on what's available at eight and 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 how the Magic should approach it You know, with what they're doing at five? Yeah, it's a great situation to be in. Um, you know, I don't think... Many people expected when the Nikola Vucevic deal went down that that pick that the Magic got back and that trade would would be a top ten pick, um, you know, in this loaded of a draft. So that was great uh, asset management and, and fruition there. Um, there's going to be some really solid players, you know, that that I like a lot in that eight range, and um, you know, the, you can kind of hedge your bet a little bit as you were saying, and and re, you know, irregardless of who you take at five. You know, you could get another player at eight that that kind of makes that risk that you take at five maybe a little bit less risky, and you can add some more value to your team at eight. Um, I'm with you. I like Moses Moody a lot. Um, you know, all throughout the season at Arkansas, I, I thought he was the profile of the type of player that would fit so well with this team. Um, you know, there's not really anyone on the Magic right now that is the at least in the young twenty somethings that is the three and D um, you know, space in the corner, you know, knock down perimeter shots, play above average defense um, type player. You know, you've got guards, you've got uh, big men, you've got forwards, but, but he's definitely that two, three wing is the wing three and D, you know, prototype that I think would, would mesh so well with what they already have. So I, I think that's a very low risk pick there. Moses Mitty, uh, Moses Moody. Um, uh, Franz Wagner from, from Michigan is, is a player that I think is just very, very skilled. Um, he definitely would kind of fit your your uh, description of maybe not a, a home run, but a single or a double. You know, he's a player I think is going to have a long career in the NBA. He does so many things kind of well, but nothing like amazing off the charts. He's a pretty good passer. He's a pretty good shooter. He's a really good off-ball defender, decent enough on-ball defender. And uh, he just provides so much value. So, so I think, you know, he'll get a look at eight. Um, I don't know if he'll get a look, but I think my personal favorite at eight is uh, Josh Giddy from Australia. 
he's just so much fun to watch. I mean, he's as fun watching film, you know, as there is in this class. Uh, he's slow. He's unathletic. His shot's questionable, but he is just such a damn good passer. Um, you know, he has Jason Williams' vision, and I'm not – I don't take that comparison lightly, but, I mean, he's so much fun uh, the way that, that he passes the ball. That's going to help everybody. That could potentially help everybody on Orlando's roster, you know, 1 through 15, you know, the vision and the lanes that he creates. Um, so so I think there are some really solid players there at, at 8 for the Magic to pick. Um, and uh, I know they had one in for a workout today, the big man from from Turkey, uh, Shen Goon. So, you know, there's, there's going to be some options there. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I, I, I've been on the Moses Moody train for a long time. I agree with you. I think that he... He, he checks all the boxes, you know, seven, two wingspan, you know, like, like I think he had the largest wingspan to height ratio of the, of anyone in the, in the, in the, at the combine. Mm-hmm. So, Plus, you know, yeah. that's that, uh, that, that, that immediately gets you on the mad at the, near the top of the magic's uh, draft board apparently. Um, but like, you know, even beyond that, like I think he, that he's someone that has a little bit of upside and a little bit of room to grow. Like we saw him put up major scoring performances at the college level and not like against central southeastern state um this was like he had a, i think he had a 28 point game again at alabama alabama was a really good team last year he had a 28 point game against lsu in the conference tournament uh, he struggled in the NCAA tournament and and that showed like i think some of his weaknesses as potential number one option but you know i think this is a guy you know he's a three and d i think he projects as a three and d guy but he can do a little bit more like i think he can do one or two dribble pull-ups and, and do, do some simple moves and work and continue to work to get better mm-hmm. uh, on the ball. Uh, and, and again, I think you, you swing you, you swing for safe, but you swing for a little bit of upside too with that pick. The one name you didn't mention there that, that I'm curious what you think about, because um, I know uh, I've, I've, been in, I've been interested in him too, and that's James Booknight of UConn. Um, just to, I mean, they, 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 they jokingly say that the way you pronounce his, his last name is Bucket. Um, this guy is just a scorer, and I know – the Magic just need guys who can put the ball in the basket. You know, where does James Book Knight fit in, into this into this place around eight? Uh, I mean, he's going to be in the conversation for sure. I'm not the biggest Book Knight person. Um, I think it's been really interesting. I mean, good for him. I'm happy for him how fast he's kind of risen up draft boards without really playing at all. Because I mean, you know, UConn season ended in March, and and he's had this really late push up you know, a lot of the industry boards. And I know you had like a really enticing, uh, you know, shooting session and, and pro day in front of scouts, a, a workout. But I mean, he's actually someone I really liked as a freshman at UConn. He was someone going into the season that, that I actually liked for Orlando when I assumed Orlando was going to be picking in like the 16 to 20 range. You know, that's kind of where I see him as a mid first rounder. So some of the talk of like, and the Magic should reach for him at five, or they should draft him. You know, it just—I think that's that's really high for 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 me for Book Knight. Um, he definitely can score, like you said, but uh, he played with incredible usage and volume at UConn, and uh, there were some serious efficiency, you know, issues there for me. Um, you know, he's a scorer, but he's not necessarily what I would call a shooter. Pretty inconsistent there. I mean, he can get wildly hot. And, you know, he can kind of – he's one of those guys every once in a while in a class that happens that I caught so many of his off games this year, you know, and he was off more often than not that I just kind of moved off of him a little bit. You know, I think he over-dribbles sometimes. Uh, I, I think he takes some pretty questionable, like, mid-range long twos. 
But some of that might be the role that he had to play, you know, for, for UConn. Uh, there's some other players there that I think fit with this roster already a little bit better than Book Knight. Um, but, but he could definitely score. I'm not sure for me if he's that much better than RJ Hampton, you know, to justify uh, a top 10 pick. Um, you know, he did play with Cole Anthony in the AAU level. And so that endorsement from Cole, I think, you know, really turned a lot of Magic fans on Twitter onto uh, James Book Knight. And, and, you know, I would understand the pick. And, I mean, he certainly has ball handling ability and scoring ability. I just don't know how much of his shooting and scoring, you know, translates into winning basketball because he's not going to have that usage and that kind of volume in the NBA. Um, you know, and, and I, I think his shot is is somewhat questionable, you know, efficiency-wise. He just didn't improve for me as much from his freshman year to his sophomore year as I would have liked. And so I've kind of moved off of him a little bit, at least in the top 10. I think he'd be a fine pick in like the middle of the first round, but I've, I've moved off of him a little bit. Yeah, and I, and I think that's fair. I've kind of said like, you know, he's either like he like I, I've kind of joked that, you know, he could be someone that, you know, didn't have the greatest college numbers, um, but just like outworks everyone in workouts and really climbs draft boards and said like, he, you know, he could be, you know, I know he's a little bit taller, but he could be like a Donovan Mitchell type where he just really impresses NBA scouts or he could end up just being Trey Burke. You know, Trey Burke has big games every once in a while, but he's still Trey Burke at the end of the day. Um, so, you know, I think that, I mean, I think that's obviously that's kind of the range that, I mean, that's kind of the range that you're looking at with some of these, these players where, you know, you're, you're evaluating risk, you're evaluating, you know, what someone is today as well as what they can be. And again, at the end of the day, you know, none of these players are what they're going to be, uh, you know, five at the end of their rookie contracts. And, you know, I always tell people this when, when they're lamenting how poor a rookie is playing, like you don't draft a rookie for his rookie year, you draft him for that second contract and, and to, and to hopefully, you know, be able to pay him and keep him on your roster for eight years. And you got mm-hmm. those eight years to figure out whether someone actually fits your, fits your, fits your team or, or you move on from them. And, and, you know, obviously you see plenty of rookies get moved on magic have, you know, Wendell Carter and RJ Hampton on their rookie contracts. and They didn't even draft them. Um, so, you know, you gotta, you're, you're, you're playing all these guys to get them to that second contract. And then that, that second con, you know, one of the smarter things I think Rob Hennigan said was, you know, by the end of that rookie contract, players are kind of what they're going to be. And very, very rare that a player really transforms themselves after that rookie, after those first four years. So you do have a pretty clear sense of, of where players going to slot in, into things within that four year, four year window. And so, um, you know, you're, you have to project a little bit ahead and say, like, hey, what can we turn this in, turn this guy into? And then the next question is, can, are we the ones to turn him into that? How can we turn him into that? Are we, you know, do we have the capability to do that? And, you know, if a team doesn't, then they probably shouldn't take take that guy in the first place or either that or they're the Sacramento Kings. Um, Aaron, I know we got to get you out of here. Um, thank you so much for coming on and, and giving us uh, some of the lowdown on, on some of the draft on some of these draft picks and, and where the magic are, are situated. Uh, tell everyone where they can find you on the interwebs. <laughs> yeah. So it's uh, for, for Twitter at Aaron Goldstone. And uh, you know, this, this summer I've just kind of been pumping out one or two uh, scouting reports, you know, a week. Um, you know, I've mostly focused on guys in the five and eight range. I haven't really done any kind of film study this summer on second round guys. Um I've been burned yeah. many yeah. times in the past with that, with, you know, uh, second round picks uh, not being I, used. I, I'm, or... taking, I'm taking, I'm taking my, I took my Wessa Wendu call that, that one year and, and just retired. Yeah, I remember that. Years. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, this would probably be the year that they actually use it, but, but that's a different story for, 
for a different podcast. But yeah, so I've been putting out you know stuff for for potential guys on, on Orlando uh, Pinstripe Post. There's a uh, uh, Keon Johnson, uh, Franz Wagner, Scotty Barnes, um, Jalen Suggs, uh, Josh Giddy. You, you know, you name it, it's on there. So uh, I think I'm going to end the summer with with Kaminga. I've always kind of thought he was probably one of the more likely picks. And so I wanted to kind of save his for, for last. And that'll come out at some point between now and the 29th. And um, yeah, so I'm just kind of looking forward to next week for all this to be decided, you know, one way or the other and, and move on to what free agency summer league and, and whatever comes next. Yeah, for sure. I'm um, definitely check out Aaron's stuff over at Orlando Pinstripe Post, a great site over there. Um, good friends of ours as well. Um, that'll do it for for us here. You can, of course, follow me on Twitter at philipr underscore md. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Magic. Subscribe to the podcast Locked On Magic on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Himalaya, Google Play, Spotify, Odyssey, and all the places on the podcast to your podcast-enabled listening device. Thanks again, Aaron, for coming on the show and talking a little Orlando Magic draft. We are one week away. Until next time, for Orlando Magic Daily and Locked On Magic, this has been Philip Ross from Mike. We'll see you all again next time for another episode of Locked On Magic. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.